All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. The Vegas Golden Knights, one win away from sipping out of Lord Stanley's mug. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live. It's Monday, June 12th, and Daily Faceoff Live is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca. 19 plus, please play responsibly. He's former NHL netminder, current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, how's your weekend? It was pretty good, man. Celebrated a birthday in the house at the wineries here in Missouri. Got a little rest on Sunday and got to watch that game. So plenty of action, man. It was a wild one. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And let's start with exactly that. Game four of the Stanley Cup final Saturday night. The Vegas Golden Knights earning a 3-1 to series stranglehold by virtue of their win over the Florida Panthers. And Mike, when you think about this series, it was kind of encapsulated in one game. I mean, you had the Golden Knights that had a sizable 3 nothing lead. And in the end, uh, the final score made it appear probably closer than much of the game was. And that's kind of what this series feels like. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, it kind of feels like that almost for the whole playoffs for the Florida Panthers in some ways. And I don't want to discredit what they did knocking off the Maple Leafs or the Hurricanes, especially in four games. But they've always been able to just hang around. And then they were able to you know, pull through in the third, maybe get an OT goal. And against against Vegas, it's a different ball game, man. And it's kind of turned into a war of attrition because now for the Panthers, you got to hurt Matthew Kachuk. You know, Gudis is taking big hits. Luce Durainen's out. Montour went down the tunnel. Duclair went down the tunnel. 
it's just because Vegas is they're so deep they can just keep rolling lines and you can especially see the strength of these teams that if you look at this shot chart from game three this is this is the whole series for me right now Frank look at this where I have it circled in red Look at the amount of shots that Vegas has generated from the high slot area, the place that really makes you nervous as a goalie, that you got to make saves, versus when you look at the Florida Panthers, those high slot chances just haven't happened. It's been all outside and rebounds, and they haven't gotten the puck in the air at all on a 6-6 goalie like Aiden Hill. Is so, this the entire series or just game four? This is just game – this has been just game um, game three – or sorry, game four. Um, but – this is a microcosm of the whole series. If you go back and aggregate all of it, it looks just like this. Vegas has been able to defend the middle. They're not letting Florida inside. And Hill's stopping those pucks from the outside and controlling his rebounds. So Florida has to get inside better. But they only have two lines that are doing it, Frank. Their bottom six has been non-existent. And every D not named Brandon Montour, who had one big game in the series, hasn't put anything up either. Yeah, it's been really a struggle to score. And not just score at even strength, but obviously to score on the power play as well. Which, by the way... There weren't many opportunities in game four. They had the final 17 seconds of the game on the man advantage, just four total penalty minutes handed out in game four, whereas there were 148 in game two. You would have to think that this disparity in the officiating, if they are indeed going to be uh, not calling as much and putting the whistles in their pocket, that that would have to benefit the Florida Panthers, given that they're a team that, is 0 for 13 on the power play and just 12 for 18, meaning Vegas has scored six power play goals so far uh, on their penalty kill. Like you think about that, like that would have to um, to to bode well for the Panthers, right? Well, I think, I mean, but 5-on-5 five five has been Vegas' bread and butter. So I, I yeah. just, the closer this series is at 5-on-5, five five, I have no prayer for the Panthers being able to pull it off, even though their power play should be better Vegas's kill has been pretty solid against them, man. It wasn't in previous rounds, but it's been really good there. So um, Florida just has to be better in every aspect, man. <laughs> and again, with that war of attrition going on, they're missing a lot of players. It's going to have to be a gutsy effort in Game 5. Yeah, and so tempers did flare at the buzzer of Game 4. Um, you saw Matthew Kachuk, as, as injured as he was, someone that mm. uh, didn't, it only took two shifts in the final 1542 of of the game uh was somehow able to to hang in uh you, you see him grab someone here in the scrum but does any of this carry over to game five does it matter or is this just frustration boiling over i think it's just the heartbeat of a series i've been in in playoff series playing for a and admittedly at the american league level but when you're playing for a championship you're so involved and and honestly at the game end of game four frank everything was fine until brandon montour came flying in and drilled Braden mcnab into aiden hill like kachuk was skating away from the pile kachuk's hurt too dude like i don't think he wants to engage but you can see that when barkov grabs white cloud out of the pile then petrangelo comes out of the penalty box and grabs white cloud and then now you're looking, you got or you got two players, Petrangelo and White Cloud, on Barkov, your best player, and Kachuk's going, I've got to get in there. So that's the only reason to me why he got involved. I, it just was it was a typical end of the game sequence. I'm like, I like seeing Aiden Hill stand up for himself. I mean, I kinda worried that he was throwing blockers because the NHL really doesn't look highly on that. Um, and I thought about Petrangelo. And you don't out of the you don't know until too. you've gotten hit in the face with a blocker. And I think back to some locker room boxing days that we used to have. Oh. With kids. You never wanted to square off with the goalie. 
So, dude, did you ever have it where you got punched with the cage, but you got hit so hard you had, like, snot running down your face? Oh, my God, all the time. It's gross, dude, the things <laughs> we used to do in the locker room. But I don't know, man. I, I don't think that this is going to spill over. I think it's just the nature of this series and what's on the line. And you got two teams that are – I mean, Will Carlson was almost squared off. I had him on my ballot for the – for the for the nicest guy in the league award, man, you know, for the lady Bing. So we'll see. Um, but I think, again, it's going to come down to health. And Vegas right now has that tipped in their favor. Yeah, I was going to say, how much does the injury uh, loom large for Kachuk? Not just Kachuk, but really this entire Panthers team. Ekblad doesn't seem right. Montour doesn't seem right. E2 Lusterine, and we know is out. You mentioned Gudis. Like, it's all over the lineup. Yeah, even Duclair went down the tunnel for a while. It's basically Florida's best players are the ones that you've seen missing out of the lineup. And we just haven't seen that with Vegas, aside from, you know, Eichel did go down and come back. That was a major hit that he took from Kachuk. But he seems to have just kind of gotten stunned a little bit, whereas the Panthers seem to have repercussions from what's happened for them. I think it's just because they weigh so heavy and they play such top minutes for their, such heavy minutes on their top players, Frank. Yeah, they they can't true. even out the load as much. And Vegas has done a really good job of that under Bruce Cassidy. That's one of his staples. Yep. The Golden Knights can hoist the Stanley Cup on Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll have plenty to talk about it more on tomorrow's Daily Faceoff Live as well. But let's talk about the Calgary Flames at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. They are going to introduce their new head coach, expected to be Ryan Husko, who has spent the last number of years on the Flames bench as an assistant coach under a number of different coaches. Seemingly only a matter of time for the former Kelowna Rockets head coach that helped that team to a championship, uh, had spent time as an AHL head coach for parts of five years. A guy who has earned a reputation around the NHL as someone who has immense attention to detail and is dialed in. What do you make of the Flames' decision to go with Ryan Huska? I'm surprised. Um, not because, not in any indictment with Ryan Huska. He, he is by all means, bid his time. He spent five years as an assistant in the NHL. He, he was a head coach in the A. He did just about everything you could have done in major junior before making that jump. But his AHL teams in Stockton weren't very good in Adirondack. He didn't have a lot of help. They weren't great rosters, but they weren't great. So like, I just think about how many times an assistant's been promoted it not working, right? John Stevens after Daryl Sutter, Mike Kitchen after Joel Quenville, Brad Larson after John Tortorella. So it makes you a little bit nervous. Big question for me, Frank. What about Mitch Love here, man? The guy's been the AHL head coach of the year, two straight years in Calgary's organization, Stockton and in Calgary in two different cities. Like He's a flight risk now. They may have just let a big-time coaching talent walk out the door because there's no way he's going to stick around as an AHL head coach when he's going to have NHL assistant coaching options and probably try to follow the footsteps of what Spencer Carberry did. Spencer Carberry, head coach in Hershey in the AHL. He knew he had to take a step to the American or to the NHL as an assistant coach first before he'd get his head gig. I'd be shocked if Mitch Love didn't go out the door here. I hope Huska does a great job. I don't know how good this team in Calgary is going to be, but I'm just really surprised Mitch Love wasn't the guy here. Well, that was the risk on a number of fronts for Craig Conroy. The first part being, as you mentioned, the assistant coach angle. Just because so much went wrong last year and yeah. you're attempting potentially to bring much of the same team back. Yeah, I know that Ryan Hoska is going to be totally different than Daryl Sutter. We get that. But he was still sort of party to it, if that makes any sense. Even if it's guilt by association, yeah. that you wonder how different will it be? And can that person make the transition? Uh, we've seen it work. We've also seen it not work, as you pointed out. 
And the other risk, of course, as you said, in not going with Mitch Love, I don't expect him to be back. Uh, I just tweeted before our show began today that he's going to consider all of his options that are on the table, even though he does have term remaining on his deal with the Calgary organization. There's nothing really left to prove. You're a two-time AHL Mm -hmm. coach of the year, and then they passed you by. It's fascinating to me that you mentioned Spencer Carberry because the Toronto Maple Leafs, one team that has now an assistant coach Mm -hmm. opening. Brad Tree Living goes from Calgary to Toronto. Not saying that's going to happen, but I think the goal, if you're – uh, Mitch Love is to be working in the NHL next season. So uh, one way to do that would be as an assistant. And you never know also what happens in a place like Ottawa. Who are the next? Who's the next owner going to be? Who is the next coach going to be? Uh, and next general manager if that ends up uh, being the case. So uh, certainly a number of things to watch for on multiple fronts. But again, yeah. we talk about Mitch Love, and it's almost like that's taking away from the candidacy of Ryan Huska, who of course won the process they all went through the interview process and he stood out to the calgary flames so yeah um, and congratulations i have no dog in this fight at all i hope huska does a great job it just was surprising to me i I will just to quickly wrap on this frank though i'm curious do you think teams might be a little hesitant since the blackhawks went with jeremy colladin so quickly into his coaching career in north america had one big year in the AA, got promoted didn't go great in chicago do you think something like that's created a hesitancy to bring no, in No, it coaches? just must have been a comfortability factor and a ten- I don't know what it is exactly that set Ryan Huska apart. That's why I'm looking forward to seeing Craig Conroy meet the media at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 12.30 Mountain Time in Calgary. Let's talk about the D-man market, Mike, because it was a fascinating turn of events on Friday. We covered Damon Severson and the sign and trade that took place between the Devils and Columbus Blue Jackets, an eight-year deal worth $50 million that will pay him $6.25 million per year on an average basis. So a significant spend from the Blue Jackets, but that's got to leave the other guys who are pending unrestricted free agents in a really thin class, licking their chops between the deal for Severson and then now the deal that already was signed by Vladislav Gavrikov, a two-year deal at $5.875 million with the Los Angeles Kings. Word on the street and not confirmed, but there were rumblings and rumors over the weekend, Mike, that Dmitry Orlov is seeking something in the $8 million per year range. I don't know if you're, if you're sitting down or not, but no matter wow. what, there's there's definite good news in those numbers for Ryan Graves and Scott Mayfield and Carson yeah. Soucy as we look at some of the top free agent defensemen uh, as part of our top 50 on dailyfaceoff.com. Well, dude, or- Orlov at 31 years of age, I guess he thinks it's time to cash in. That's going to have to be a short-term deal if he wants $8 bucks, man. Um, it's funny, though, because I think your biggest free agent out there on the D market on in terms of their next big contract might actually even be Vince Dunn in Seattle. You know, it, depending on the term of that deal, he's easily a 7-plus. He might even be approaching 8 if it's a short-term deal. But he's an RFA. But yeah. he's RFA. That's correct. It's a different process there. Um, Ryan Graves, his value just went through the roof with the Gavrikov deal. Graves will be north of $5 bucks, I think, by somebody as well as he can move his feet um, and, and even on down the list here you start to look at some of those defensemen like a, a Scott Mayfield who's you know he's he's on the other side he's of 30 St. Louis at this kid. point he's a St. Louis kid he shot at my goalie camps you know years ago but he's been a top four player for the Islanders he's not a power play guy but he'll play shutdown penalty kill minutes he's he's just like an Alec Martinez type minus the Stanley Cup right that that Martinez is one for Vegas so you think of those guys like Mayfield that 
there's going to be an awful lot of four to five and a half million dollar contracts handed out to defensemen this summer. Not the big tickets, Frank. But three, five million dollars, maybe longer term. I think Mayfield fits in that mix. But here's the one I'm curious. I want your read on it. What do you think of Matt Dumba? Like, where's he going to slide into this mix? Because I don't know what's going to happen with him. He's a big variable for me. I think he's someone that signs a short-term deal, maybe one, two years, to see if he can get back in and prove himself a bit. I think coming off of the year that he had, where he really struggled. Teams view him as sort of a kamikaze pilot. He can throw an enormous hit in the neutral zone, but he also makes a lot of turnovers and questionable decisions uh, with the puck that I think teams are not sure on the risk profile. Does it make Mm -hmm. sense? And so can he go to a place and rehab his game? I I think a perfect fit would be a place like Florida. Get an opportunity uh, sign. They're not going to be looking for someone with big term and dollars and go and see if you can hit it out of the park. He's coming off of a decent payday with the wild on that long term deal. Doesn't necessarily need the money, so to speak. Um, although it'd be nice to cash in. He needs to go somewhere on a short term deal. And I think same thing with John Klingberg. See if yeah. he can rehab his image again. These are some guys that had they hit the market a year ago or, or had signed different deals you know, we might be looking at them in a bit of a different light. And very few guys, Mike, in the playoffs have increased their value the way that Radko Gudis had, the fifth guy on our board yeah. there. Look, all playoffs long, he's been a beast. That's exactly the type of guy that you sign to round out your your six. You know, whether it's a three-year, $3 million deal, something like that, that he's a valuable playoff commodity. Big time. And you know what? If you're... You mentioned John Klingberg earlier. I I don't like it for him that he missed his mark here. But if you're Jim Nil, you're thinking, man, I'm glad I stood my ground on this one. <laughs> Sometimes, like trades, the best contracts are the ones that you don't sign. Uh, speaking of a contract waiting to be signed, what's going on with the Ottawa Senators sale? Let's get to Brent Wallace in this week's edition of the All 32 to talk about the Sens. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
So glad to have Brent Wallace back on Daily Faceoff Live. You can catch him throughout the week talking Ottawa Senators on Coming In Hot, part of the Nation Network family. Brent, how you doing? I'm fantastic, boys. Nice to see you on a Monday. Yeah, always good to be with you. Uh, let's talk about that send sale and the process because this oh, has God. dragged on <laughs> way longer than anyone might have anticipated. And I can tell by your groan that not only are you ready for it to be over, but potentially when you see someone like a Steve Apostolopoulos walk away, that and he a well-qualified bidder, that perhaps the NHL and the Melnick estate needs to get things moving. I, I, it's so frustrating. It, it's a complete disaster of epic proportions, if I'm being honest. Because, listen, a lot of times we don't know what's going on behind the scenes because it's supposed to be, as you guys know, fairly quiet. We're never supposed to hear who all the bidders are. This thing has been public partially due to all the celebrity interest in it. But now they seem to have fizzled away and we're down to the real business people. But to see people walk away that clearly seem to have a good vision are well-liked, as in the Apostopolis group, it's disappointing uh, and it's frustrating. It's disappointing to the fans too. We feel like it's being held hostage by you can't get any deals done. You can't help the on ice product as you continue to wait to see who's going to be paying for it. But like you said, the Melnick group and whether the NHL, the NHL has finally stepped in and went, whoa, enough is enough. Let's get this done. Now the reports are out uh, partially by Elliot Friedman saying that they want the, the Melnick sisters, the daughters want the, the buyers to now pay the capital gains taxes and whatnot. Like it's the asks are getting ridiculous. Sell the team. Let's move on. Let's get this over with, please. This is the, is this not just the ghost of Eugene Melnick, like still yes. poisoning the well? Like, honestly, he's like, until they're gone, until the family's out of this team, it's just going to continue being a mess. Like, let's go here. I can't, I, it's wild to see this because it's been such a mess for so long. I want to see the transition quickly in Ottawa, being one of their ex-players here. But I wonder, Wally, what's the downstream effect here? Like, you look at Alex Dabrinkit, this guy should be getting a big exactly. contract. You'd want to keep him in-house. And I can't help but think of all this uncertainty in the market being a negative effect on the actual roster that they're going to ice next season. Am I wrong? No, then that's just exactly it. The fans in Ottawa, listen, they care about who the owner is, obviously, but they want to know how this is going to affect the on-ice product. They're excited that someone's coming in with some deep pockets that will change things around. But right now they're handcuffed. The draft is coming. Free agency is coming. All that stuff. And Alex Dabrinkit, and Frank, you help me out here because I know you know a little bit more about this, doesn't appear to necessarily want to return. I think maybe he's looking to go elsewhere, and I'm okay with that. I don't think that he's the fit in Ottawa. Um, I've looked up all kinds of goal scores. Like, Ottawa had six 20-goal scores last year. They're not going to miss having one guy not be in the lineup. Let's put it to you this way. Alex Dabrinkit isn't going to make or break the Ottawa Senators winning the Stanley Cup. I think that's fair. So I, I'm okay if he moves on, but they've got to make a deal. They've got to figure this out, and this is holding everything up. Yeah, the Debrinket situation is fascinating because I think part of it, you'd have to be curious if you're him of, well, who is owning the team and who is going to be the manager yes. and who is going to be the coach? And so that's part of it. But then also maybe there's a, a blessing in all of this for the Sens too. As you mentioned, how many guys can you pay with an $8 million plus salary cap hit? All of a sudden, the Sens are going to begin to run out of cap space in short order after hoarding it for the last number of years. So perhaps, Wally, maybe that's the the best transition to the next part of this question. It's not just the on-ice part, but it's also sort of the off-ice part of this process as well, because 
anyone that you talk to or anyone that Pierre Dorian has talked to, he's told them, I'm coming back. I'm going to be the GM of this team. The the bidders all support me. I'm in. What is your I, sense of where this is at? Where, where does this land? And what does it mean for not just Pierre Dorian, but also DJ Smith? I think that's wishful thinking. Now, let me preface it by saying we're getting late into the season here and getting into like if this thing doesn't close until September, then Pierre Dorian may very well start the year as a general manager. I don't know that he's going to be long term. I don't know that he survives getting through the initial ownership. I think there are some owners that are looking to bring in their own people and do that right away. Listen, they, they just didn't start this plan a couple months ago. They've been at it for a while, which, and you know, means they've already thought of who their team is going to be. So and we're hearing about, you know, the Michael Andlauer group maybe wanting to bring in Patrick Waugh as the head coach and Peter Shirelli as a, an advisor and Steve Steos as a GM. Well, that pretty much sums up what they think of what the current management looks like in Ottawa. I, I still think DJ Smith survives. I think he gets one more year. He's got one year left on his contract, and then he's got a option by the team for the following year. Enough, enough players have really come out and supported him, but I think perhaps he gets at a longer leash. I don't know that Pierre Dorian does, but maybe. And and I think that's a huge part. If I'm if I'm Alex DeBrinket, for instance, do I want to sign an eight-year deal not knowing exactly how this is going to play out? And and he needs to be qualified at $9 million. It's a lot of money. I just don't see how things are going to transpire here until they get this deal done. It's just like sitting here waiting and waiting for something to happen. Questions abound the front office in Ottawa, certainly walking on eggshells in addition to a couple of their players as well. No shortage of fascinating stuff. You can dive into all of the latest on the Ottawa Senators uh, with Brent Wallace and coming in hot. A new episode drops today. Bobby Ryan, Jason York in the fold on a weekly basis. Thanks to Brent Wallace for joining us today for the All 32. All right, Mike, moving on to our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Thanks to those of you watching on our YouTube stream and firing some questions into the chat. Here's one from our guy, Kent, if that's your real name. He says, we have seen Matthew Kachuk force his way out here, Luke Dubois, and in some ways, potentially, Alex DeBrinkett is next. Do you think the NHL will try and stop this? Mike, my answer to that would be, there's really not much they can do to stop it because that's the way this CBA is designed. However, my prediction is that teams will prevent this from happening by making sure that they get their contractual work done in short order ahead of time to make sure that they don't set themselves up for players hitting RFA status one year before they're able to become UFAs and essentially be able to force their way out. Absolutely. I mean, I love that the players are taking control of their own contractual status. Very and if NBA, they don't right? Somewhere, yeah, they're learning from other markets here. But if if you don't want to play somewhere, why stick around? Like, you are not obliged to have to work somewhere. That's why free, free agency was created in the first place. So, um, But I completely agree with your timing on this. Like, they will have to get contracts sewn up and get the timing right so you don't run into these cliffhanger scenarios where players can force their way and just say, I'm not playing here. <laughs> I'm out, dude. Like... Yeah, and then teams have to react to that. You have to get what you can for an asset. So it's just a byproduct of the current scenario. Yeah, you live and you learn. I think you know the game's always changing. It's changing for contracts and players as well. 
I don't think teams are going to let themselves be put in and backed into a corner where the player has all the leverage. You're supposed to be an RFA for a reason. That's the way it should work. I like, as you pointed out, that the players have taken control. Here's another one from Jerry Mancini who says, with the Bruins and Wild up against the cap, do you think any teams will make an offer sheet play for Jeremy Swayman or Philip Gustafson? You seemed to speak about Gustafson the other day, highlighting the Wild's need as you said their number one priority to get Gustafson locked up. I'd be surprised to see an offer sheet on a goalie because nobody ever believes goalies. <laughs> and Swayman hasn't been a surefire number one. And Gustafson was, in some eyes, still a one-hit wonder. So for the dollar figure that might be involved, compensation for an offer sheet, I don't expect to see it happen with goaltenders. How about you, Frank? I would be surprised just because to get to a, a threshold where you really have to make a team think, sometimes getting a second-round pick or something might be a pretty decent value based on the mm-hmm. way goalies are traded on the market as well. My question for you, though, piggybacking off of Jerry in the chat would be, who is the most attractive number two that you'd want to go after this summer? Is it Vladar? Is it uh, Swayman? Like, who would be the guy that you'd want to target if you could? Yeah, it depends on the team, I think. Um, I, I've already spoken. I think Pittsburgh would be great to upgrade number two with a Vladar. He, I like his upside an awful lot. If you want a guaranteed bet, though, what about somebody who's coming down from number one status? Right? Maybe like a Cam Talbot. Flurry? Well, maybe, oh, there's, a, there's one for you to slide out there. How about a Cam Talbot? Is Cam Talbot a number one in the league anymore? What's he going to well, get depending paid Depending on like what the Sens do, what about Anton Forsberg? Yeah, well, Forsberg would be a great target to get. I think he's got a higher potential for it than that. So, yeah, for that number two range, I really like Vladar if you're going after a a trade. I love the annual game of goaltending musical chairs. It never ceases to amaze. It's fascinating to see which teams bet on who. And by the way, like, I don't know what the Canes are doing. They might run it back, but, like, Freddie Henderson's numbers have been nothing short of good. The thing is, is that just a product of the way the, the Hurricanes play? I think that's part of it. Um, and like even Antti Ranta, who's going to take him on knowing he's going to be hurt for a third of the season. One guy I'd keep an aim, I'd keep your eye on Jake Allen. If Montreal decides to go after a goaltender that might take that spot there, I mean, they don't know what they have in Montembeau yet. Primo doesn't seem to be the guy. If they make a play for a goalie, keep an eye on where Jake Allen may end up. Keep an eye on Semyon Varlamov as well, mm. leaving the island as a free agent. And one team mentioned this to me the other day, Capo Kakinen. In San Jose, not going to generate a ton of buzz. His numbers were sub 900 last season on a really bad Sharks team. But a couple teams think that he has the potential to be much better than he is. And he signed for one more year at a very reasonable number. So I don't know. Uh, also, Vegas. Better have a good goalie some, coach. <laughs> they've got some free agents. Speaking of goalie coach, there was a change this uh, morning. Aaron Portsline reporting that the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to be hiring Nicholas Backstrom, who you might have competed against at some point. He's replacing Manny Legacy, whose contract was not renewed in Columbus. So got to move on to our Batano yep. Daily Bet segment. Tyler Remchuk, what do you got? First off, I'm keeping tabs on the chat here, Frank. Real name, Kent Nielsen with two S's, but they did confirm not the NHLer, Kent Nielsen. See, I, I wasn't sure if it was real or not. That's why I had to bring it up. And Kent, uh, not uh, certainly calling your name in the question. It was just like, hey, that's that's an NHLer. Is, is that yeah, the guy? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get into what our friends at Patano have. The game starts now at patano.ca. Next time, like a final game, not until tomorrow night. But here's what they got for the updated odds, you guys. Florida 9-1 to one to come back in this series. And listen, if you believe in them coming back, a decent hedge spot is maybe just to take it to go 7 at 4-1. to one, Then you're covered. But uh, 
for me, I'm, I'm not sold on any of this. Like the series to end in exactly six games is a little bit tempting. But if you think back to last week, I did that little risky Vegas to lose a game at home which was plus 200 at that point. So now I basically am sitting here with a Florida Panthers game five money line ticket. That's plus 200 when they're actually only plus 140 on Botano to win the next game. But the way I want to float this to you guys, Jonathan Marcheseau is running away with the con Smythe odds. Minus 625. Second on that list is Aiden Hill at plus 800. Frank, Mike, I'll start with you, Frank. Any shot you think Aiden Hill can get this thing done? No, I think he's third on a lot of people's lists. I don't know for sure, but where's Jack Eichel? 11 to 1. He's third on the list. So, like, I, I'm, again, I would maybe ride that hard. disclosure for, for betters, but, like, I'm one of the 18 voters, and I'm leaning towards Eichel over Marcheseau. I'm, I don't understand why Marcheseau is such a prohibitive favorite. It's almost like the books think that this is just a Stanley Cup final MVP as opposed to the entire playoffs, and that's really why you have to weigh the whole thing um yeah. i don't know i'm struggling with this one yeah no they gave a con smite to cam ward years ago when he only played better part of three series so who knows i don't think hill's gonna get it though because he has he hasn't played the entire course of the playoffs I, it's that's not even it it's just the and I, hill's been great i just i feel like a lot of people going back to the freddie anderson conversation we just had think that he's more of a product of the system than he is actually just yeah. playing extremely well, which he has been. You saw you saw my shot map earlier in the show. Yeah, go on, Tyler. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, those are your top three for consummate. Jonathan Marsh, so clear favorite at minus six hundred and twenty-five. Aiden Hill eight to one. Jack Eichel eleven to one on Patano. I love it, Tyler. Uh, Fascinating stuff on the Con Smythe front. Going to have to get my ballot in order. So thanks to Tyler for our Botano Daily Bets. That brings us to garbage time. And Mike, you saw something right out of Slapshot this weekend. I did, but it was in baseball. And I'm seeing the Yankees and Red Sox play. And coming across the Twitters, Yankees announcer John Sterling. Take a look here. Oh, back here. Ow! hit me i didn't know it was coming back that far (laughs) so i know everybody out there seen slap shot did this not remind you of the organist in slap shot the first shift of the hansen brothers take a look here if we have So the fun part of this, amazingly enough, Frank, I did a little research here, and the organist in Slapshot, all these years later, on a whim, sent an email to the Seattle Kraken, and he is now the organist for the Seattle Kraken. His name is Rod Masters. He's 68 years old, and he's still tickling the ivory in the national after starring in Slapshot in the late 1970s alongside Paul Newman. Don't ever play Lady of Spain again! Yeah, what what an epic clip that Sterling one was. Just, uh, oh, uh, just I, I can't eat, like, it's also Here the it sound comes. effect, and then it's just like, ow! It hit, like, it's, it's so, it hit it's me! It's so good. Back here. So, oh. Ow! Ow! <laughs> Oh. I can't. I can't. You have it really to, hit me. That's the show. That is a great way to go out on Daily Face Off Live. Thanks a lot for watching. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks all for participating in our stream on YouTube and the chat. We'll be back 12 noon Eastern on Tuesday and where we will potentially be crowning a new Stanley Cup champion. Talk to you then. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.